Here we are today in part six of our eight-part series, and today is probably my favorite day, so uh, I'm sorry if I seem overexcited today and kind of rush through this, but I get excited about this. We're going to talk about Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples and the beauty and the picture that is in this story. And um, But before we do, you know, so we've been walking through this. There's some things I want to point out that we've been, um, hopefully, you've been catching as we've been going through this series. And that one is that we've been invited into his story. Jesus is the hero of the story. He's the main character. And he has invited us into his story. And he invites us to take part of it. And that God has been from the foundations of the earth, he's been revealing his plan. He's been making his plan known of how he's going to restore communion with us and him. And that he is a self-revealing God. And he, he replaced the temple structure with himself. And he showed us this, that he, he comes in. You see, the, the, the law was weak to do that which uh, it couldn't make us right. It could Because it was... Uh, observed by weak men, men who had to offer their own sacrifices. It, it was a, a lamb and it had to be repeated over and over again. See, there was there was flaws in this and it was we couldn't meet the measure of the law. And then we had to define the law in small terms so that we could in the smallest way meet the measures of the law. And so that was what it was showing that we can't meet God's requirement, that we can't do what's enough to gain righteousness on our own. And so therefore, Christ has to come on our behalf and make this for us. And then we see that, that Jesus didn't take any shortcuts. He took the long road, so to speak. And, um, you know, we kind of look at this, the kernel of wheat fall to the ground. And I ask this question, you know, why doesn't Jesus go ahead and get it over with and just do it? If it's all about the cross, why doesn't he do it? And it's to show us that it's a bigger picture than that. And he proves all these other things in that. And then that he could humble himself. He washes his disciples' feet. And he says, unless I wash you, you can't take part of me. And unless we identify ourselves with Christ, unless we become one with Christ, unless he washes us and purifies, then we have no way to get to the Father. And so that brings us to today where he's sitting at the table with his disciples and Right before this, uh, he tells his disciples, he says, go ahead and you're going to go into the city and this is going to happen. You're going to meet a guy carrying a pot and this is going to, you're going to go find, they got a room ready for us and go and prepare this meal. And the disciples go and it's just as he told them it would be. And this shows us that this is God's plan unfolding. Like there's nothing that circumstance happened. Him going to the cross wasn't just the circumstance, but it was the plan of God. And all these little details, we, we begin to see these little details that God is making known, that he's taken care of. Uh, the fact that the guy had a pot on his head, you know, that they would be able to identify that easy. All these, these different things, like men didn't go collect water either. So it was very unique for a man to go get water during the middle of the day, I mean, during this time of day. And, and so all these things were little details that begin to show us that God is at work in this moment. And so here they are in the upper room and Jesus then begins to, uh, to observe this Passover meal. And for us to be able to understand this, I want to kind of walk back, so to speak, in the Bible narrative to a time where the first Passover was observed. And so in this story, what we'd have had is the children of Israel um, would have been born into slavery. They were born into slavery. And this is a picture of, of us being born into sin. We were slaves to sin. We're slaves to our passions. We're slaves to unrighteousness. And, and here's the Israel. They're born into slavery and their taskmasters are evil and they're harsh and, and they're, they rule them hard. And this would be us. Like the, the wages of sin is death. Like it's heavy. It's hard. It bears on us. Um, you can you see this probably in so many people's lives that the, the sin is just destroying them. And the Bible says that they cried out and he sent a deliverer. And um, 
the deliverer was Moses, and this would have been a picture of Christ. We would see the, the picture of Christ. Moses as a as a picture of Christ, and so he came in to deliver his people. And so here they are. You know, Moses is before Pharaoh, and the and the 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 plagues come, and the different things. And Pharaoh would not relent. And see, the thing is, is like sin will not relent from our lives. It will not relent from our hearts, and, and we are held captive. It will not release us by any other means. And so. Now, the final plague coming is this death of the firstborn. And the death angel is coming through and is going to kill the firstborn. And the judgment of God is going to come upon sin. The judgment of God is going to come upon Egypt. And that's the story here. And there will a day will come when the judgment of God will be poured out. And and those who are not found righteous in God will be destroyed. And here is this death angel coming to destroy the wicked. And and God tells Moses this, but there is a way of escape. There's a way to get out, to to not, to have the death angel pass over your house. And this is why it's called the Passover, because the angel would pass over them. But God gave them a, a stipulations. He gave them a, a means for this to happen. And so what would happen is they each family would take a lamb. And if they couldn't, they could join with other families. But they had to do this together. And so they would take a lamb and they would set it aside for so many days. And this was a day of approving. So this lamb had to be spotless. It had to be right. It couldn't just be any lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb. It couldn't be a lamb with a broken leg. It couldn't be a lamb with... Um, with spots under his skin. It couldn't be a lamb with splotches missing, uh, with an ear that was misshaped. It had to be a perfect lamb. And this is to show us that that Jesus walked through a time of proving. You know, this is the wilderness testing where Jesus, uh, you know, people see it as testing and they think, well, did he just, you know, he went out there to be tempted. This wasn't about Jesus being tempted. This was about Jesus proving that he was over temptation, that he was above sin. He was above reproach and he didn't fall to the, to the whims of Satan, he didn't bow to the lies of the enemy, but he stood in the face of trials. He stood strong in the face of opposition. It was a time of proving, and this lamb would have went through a time of proving, and this lamb was then selected. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was selected before the foundations of the earth, that, that God had chosen to, to choose his son, and Jesus was accepted, and Jesus chose to willingly go and walk the path of this cross and so they would have taken this lamb that was selected. It was purified. It was uh, shown. It went to a time of proving. And they would have killed it at the doorpost. <clears throat> and um, this was outside of their house. This would have been like outside the temple. <clears throat> There's a lot to that. We won't get into it. But they were to then catch the, the blood in a bowl. And they would use hypsis. And they would take this hypsis. And they would paint the doorpost. And the thing with the hypsis, when they dipped it in and they went to apply it on the doorpost, the water from the hypsis would, would mingle with the blood and it would flow down. And when Jesus was pierced in his size, the blood and the water flowed. Like the little details, I hope you're seeing the little details that God would paint into each one of these pieces so that we can with confidence see that Jesus is our substitute, that he is this lamb. And so the blood would be applied, but catch this, this is the key, that after the blood was applied, they would then pass through the door. 
And if, if they went in through any other way, if they crawled in through a window or if they came in through the back door or they snuck in through the roof, any other way, then they would have not been covered by the blood. They had to pass through the door. And Jesus constantly over time would, would tell his disciples that I am the door, I'm the way. Like if you wanna get to the Father, if you wanna escape judgment, if you wanna miss the great and terrible day of the Lord, then, then you have to pass through the door. And he would say, I am the door. And, and if anyone comes in through any other way, then they're a thief. And so we, they would pass through the door and then they would go in and they would close the door behind them and they would keep themselves in their house until morning. They would eat the, the Passover meal. They would partake of this provision from God. And, and that's us, that we are to partake, be partakers of the things of God. And so here they would, they would remain in. And this is a key story for us as believers that once we enter in through faith, you see, because they would enter in that door and once they were in the door, it didn't matter what they had done before they got in through that door. Once they had passed through the door, they had, they had passed through the threshold and they were sealed by the blood. And once they were in, they were secure. And, and it didn't matter what they had done before they entered the door. And it didn't matter if they could see the blood that was applied to the door on the outside. You see, because they couldn't. And you may be even wondering, man, am I really saved? Well, if you're saved, then you'll see the, 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 the fruit of repentance and righteousness in your life. And so look for those two things if you want to answer that question. But once you're in Christ, you're sealed until, until the judgment has passed over. And there's coming a day of judgment. And for those who are in Christ will find themselves secure in Him until that day. And then this is a beautiful picture. And so Jesus is sitting down with His disciples and they breaks the bread and he said, this is, this, the bread is my body. It's, an, it's just another image and a picture. And so um, during this time, they would have started the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was a, a, a total unique thing. And this bread would have been made without yeast because yeast puffs up. It makes it airy. It makes it fluffy. And so they were told to eat bread without yeast. And Jesus would tell them to be be, be aware and, and stay away from the yeast of the Pharisees. Like Jesus would relate, he would equate this uh, yeast that puffs up bread with the works of the Pharisees that puffs them up their faith. Like it, it's, it doesn't work. And what God is looking for is, is bread without yeast. He's looking for a life without these flaws, without being puffed up, without pride, without arrogance. And so here Jesus is saying, I am this perfect Sacrifice. I'm the bread that's not puffed up. I don't come here to do my own will. I'm not doing my things. This isn't about me. Like he was, I'm doing the will of my father. I'm obedient. There, there's no error in Jesus. And so he breaks the bread and he passes it to the disciples and then he grabs the cup and he says, this is the blood of, of the new covenant. And he's extending a new covenant, a new way to communion with God. You see, this takes us back to another story, the beginning of creation when Adam and Eve are in the garden and and they are communing with God. The picture is them that God would come down and meet with them and they would commune with God every day. And then the serpent comes into the garden and asks Eve and Adam to commune with him. And Adam and Eve then at that, at that moment choose to commune with Satan over God. And that communion with Satan broke their communion with God. And so here Jesus is coming back and he's offering the cup of communion, the cup, the bread of communion so that we might once again be back into fellowship and communion with God. 
And this is a picture that God has been telling from the beginning that he's longing to restore this and he has a plan to do that. And that plan is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus is offering to his disciples is the opportunity to, by faith to be reunited back into the community, communion with God because Jesus would come and he would do what was necessary and he would be the perfect sacrifice to be able to bridge that gap between the two to satisfy the just demands of God. You see, this lamb paints for us a big picture. Because in this prophetic story, the lamb had to be selected. Uh, Revelations 13, 8 says this, everyone whose name has not been recorded in the lamb's book of life that was slain from the foundations of the world. You see, this is God's plan from the beginning. He had selected Christ at the beginning. First uh, Peter uh, one, it says, you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or splot. And it is true that he has chosen and ordained before the foundations of the world. The lamb must be spotless. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, it says, for our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that through him, we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, we also see the Bible tells us that it's bore upon three witnesses. Um, and so what we see in this, this story is that as uh, um, the God speaks from heaven in Matthew, uh, and he says, um, this is my son in whom I'm pleased. <clears throat> Judas, after he had betrayed uh, Jesus, he went back to the the, the temple and he threw the money back at them and he said, I, I can't do this. This is blood money. This, he was innocent. Um, and he said, I had sinned in betraying innocent blood. And when Jesus is before Pilate, Pilate looks at the sand and he says, I find no fault in him. There's no guilt of crime in this man. You see, he was spotless and it was proven on the accounts of witnesses. The lamb must be slain. Isaiah 53 gives us a beautiful picture. Most of you know this. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And, and, his, and with his wounds were healed. And we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. You see, he was the lamb who was slain. The lamb must be a substitute. Hebrews 10, he says, burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you take no delight in. Why? Because he had prepared a body and that body being Christ and and then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This is Jesus talking, quoting Jesus there. And he says, what is written of me in the scrolls of the book. Like Jesus understood that he was fulfilling the word of God. He was moving and responding to the word of God. Galatians 3, Christ purchased us, purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who's crucified or hangs on a tree. 
2 Corinthians 5.18 says, but all these things are from God who reconciles us through himself, to, through Christ, making us acceptable, bringing us in. For he's given us this ministry of reconciliation so that we may bring others in. And that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them because of the work of Christ. The blood of the lamb must be sprinkled and applied. First Peter 1, 2 says, who were chosen. He's talking about the people who were chosen and consecrated were, or made holy or made righteous in the spirit to be obedient to Christ Jesus and to be sprinkled with his blood. You see, Peter saw this and he captured this. You see, the Passover was, the original Passover was a one-time act. They were only told to mem- to memorialize it after that, to do it in memory of. And so here Jesus is, is establishing this notion, this idea of communion that we take nowadays. We, we don't observe the Passover, we observe communion. And we don't do it um, once a, a year uh, but but Paul would encourage us every time you gather, like is whenever you eat, like do this in remembrance of me, like like do this in remembrance of Christ. That we remember the sacrifice. That we remember that He has brought us back into communion with Himself. And I don't know what your Good Friday will look like tomorrow, but can I encourage you in this that if you if you have communion somewhere. But let this ring in your heart and let you remember what we're doing, that Christ's sacrifice was to bring us back into communion with the Father. And by faith, we accept the work of Christ on the cross on our behalf so that we can. And then we partake of, of these things and symbolizing, showing others like, no, I identify with Christ, that I'm willing to put it all on the line to show myself connected and, and attached with Christ. Maybe you won't be in a good Friday service tomorrow, and I'd encourage you to do this with your family. Like, if you're a dad, I can't think of a a better picture of you to do with your family than to show your children that you're committed to this, to show your children what this means. And you don't have to be a pastor to do this. You don't have to be... uh, Paul Paul says we're all priesthoods. There's a priesthood of the believers. And Peter would echo this. Like, Like, we are God's... We're the priesthood of believers after Christ. Like we're a selected, chosen group of people to be that. And, and he is our high priest. And so you don't have to be a pastor or be perfect to do this. But you have to have a high priest to do this. And if Jesus is your high priest, then I would encourage you in faith to do this with your family. So Lord, I pray over the people who would listen today. If someone doesn't know you, God, would you baptize them in repentance, Lord? Would you draw them by the fruit of righteousness? And God, for this Good Friday that's coming up, could it just be more than a day? Could it be a a day where this communion comes alive, where we we once again are humbled by your work, Lord, that it it wretches our hearts, it grabs us and draws us in deeper to you, God. Would you reveal yourself more and more, I pray, through this day in Jesus' name, amen. Man, God bless. Hope you have a great day.